0: The Cost of Goods Told podcast is made possible by the following sponsors. Chriswell Culinary aims to create a new standard of unique, affordable hot sauces that satisfies the more developed cravings of today. Bernie Brand Texas-style hot sauce is a boldly layered sauce with density and personality to proudly represent Texas. Go to berniebrand.com to find a retailer near you. That's Bernie, B-O-E-R-N-E, brand.com. Zero Point Organics grows and supplies microgreens for over 30 major restaurants in the Houston area. Consistently perfect quality and flavor and appearance, their microgreens will be the best you or your customers have ever had every single time. Go to zero, Z-E-R-O dash pointorganics.com. You, you got it?
1: I got oh, it, I got
0: it. Oh, now no, no. I'm gonna screw it up. <laughs> no, I'm gonna say it fast for you. Right, just just Remember, don't say kind a lot of that- <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Live, you're, you're yeah live. right. Thank goodness. I'll uh I'll I'll have him say it and then I'll just voice it over <laughs> when I say it. I so. it. I'm so trying to lower my voice yeah. down a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> 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 yeah, maybe you do it. You can. <laughs> I'm not letting y'all do it now. All right, I'm leaving that in. Welcome to the Costa Gets Told podcast. My name is Connor. I'm a chef and media producer. I am joined, as always, by my co producer, Darren Lafferty. Darren. Hola good to see you man <laughs> good to be here <laughs> we've been fumbling over this for a minute but i'll get there eventually we are here at tobio i am so sorry it is a fantastic restaurant trust me because i have ate here uh, a couple times and then when uh covet hit we've definitely uh gotten quite a bit of takeout from here as well uh we're here with owner uh sherman young how you doing man <laughs> good how are you guys thank you so much for being on the podcast yeah, thanks for having me thanks for taking time i know things are still not 100 percent back to normal uh i know that i think it's like 75 percent occupancy currently coming up,
1: coming up no coming up quick june 12th i think yeah this weekend
0: so believe, this week 75 percent correct okay so i was mistaken so um but even even without that running a restaurant um and especially uh such a nice restaurant like this one takes a lot of time and energy um sherman why don't you give everybody kind of a quick background on yourself um and let People come to know who you are.
2: Uh, Yeah, um, I feel like I have a relatively interesting background. I'm born and raised here in Houston, or specifically Sugar Land. I uh, went to college at UH, um, graduated with a marketing degree, pretty much did nothing with marketing. (laughs) I worked a blue collar job for, I I keep forgetting, probably about eight years or so, uh, mainly doing uh, operations and a little bit of accounting at a manufacturing firm. Uh, and you know, I picked up cooking probably about like around 2016. So it's not like I grew up with like a really interesting origin story where like my mom was like super authentic in cooking everything mm-hmm. and whatnot. But I kind of picked up as a hobby, and I really struggled a while because I wasn't sure whether to you know transition to the restaurant industry or not. But um, and I was always one foot in, one foot out. So I would you know do stages here and there, or I would even find like a part time gig while still working like my office job. Um, but basically, long story short, I eventually jumped into the restaurant industry full time. My first real uh, restaurant job was at Yoacha, which is a oh, was a high end dim sum place off uh, Westheimer in the Galleria. Did that for a little bit and realized, okay, I think I'm ready for a little more because I feel at the end of the day, the only thing you can do with dim sum is dim sum. So I felt like I really wanted to expand myself because I already committed to you know full time restaurant industry, anyways. Mm-hmm. So I kind of held married and fortunately got a job at Uchi. Um, okay. So that's. Uh, where I attribute a lot of my, my my growth and experience to. So I start off at the bottom with a prep cook, worked my way up to a sushi chef, uh, worked there a little bit over a year, and then after that, here we are now, pretty much.
0: <laughs> That's a quick climb. It is, it is,
2: right? it, yeah, correct, it is, yeah, it really is, it really is.
0: And to ownership, you know, a quick climb to ownership. Yeah. So yeah. at the dim sum restaurant, though you may not be able to learn to kind of be creative with the uh, with the menu, you are learning technique and you are learning to perform at. A, and and if you don't mind explaining to to listeners who may not know what dim sum is, can you explain that as well?
2: Yeah, I like to say uh, I guess Chinese tapas basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, people are like what's uh, tapas people are like Mexican dim sum. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, they're I guess they're basically like small bites, really. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess consistently like uh, like dumplings. Uh, I'm sure people heard like the the the, the siu mai, mm-hmm. but basically they're like small uh, eats. Mm-hmm. Basically, they're steamed for the most part. Sure. Right. Yeah. And
0: so you're learning a lot of techniques in that kitchen, Correct, even yeah. though it's not a super creative menu. You're kind of fixed to Correct. hey, this is this is what we do. Correct. But the turnaround, I remember, I think they had next top chef or something along those lines, and they had a bunch of white <laughs> chefs go into this dim sum restaurant, and they can't keep up. And I mean, you know these. You know, these guys in the kitchen are pounding out food, not yeah. only great food, but, like, super quick. Um, and, and you just, I mean, it, like you said, it's a bunch of small dishes, mm-hmm. but it's a ton of small dishes. Because mm-hmm. I know when when Cindy and I go out and order dim sum, you know, you just go down the list and, yep, 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 yeah. I want that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, there's a
2: lot of effort that goes into one single, even, like, a siu mai. Like just the technique to do it and to replicate it like a 100 times per day, really.
1: I'm glad you you said that because as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about the quality of food that comes from any either a dim sum or, or a sushi restaurant or whatever. Would you say that it's equally important to have great quality ingredients and also technique in preparing those?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think you can definitely tell a difference between the two. Yeah. I mean, definitely ingredients and something. Uh, definitely a sushi, right? Because you're you're consuming it raw for the most part. Sure. That one definitely you can you can tell the difference between you know better products or not. But even you know like uh, microgreens, you can tell the difference uh, with technique. Definitely, is the way you prepare. I keep referring back to sushi, but even with dim sum, if you loosely wrap like a a, a bao, which is like the soup dumpling. Yeah. If, if you eat all it apart. right okay. or it's gonna leak the soup everywhere and sure. you know that kind of ruins your mood really
1: right so and i know technique's important in every cuisine but it seems mm-hmm. like with so much hands on right around either sushi or dim sum it's got to be critical it's critical that you close up all the seals and the gaps mm-hmm. and the things that could ultimately break down the quality of a
2: broth. Yeah, you know, I think uh, uh, Dean Tai Fung, I, 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 it might be a rumor, but I heard like they have, to, each suit dumpling has to have like 27 fold or something. <laughs> I mean, we, we weren't that crazy at Yoa but it, it's, you know, let's give you an example. I have
1: no,
0: I have no attention span for that. There's <laughs> like, it's, it's too much technique. It's, it's a lot
2: of repetition. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's a lot sure. of repetition.
0: Yeah, and then I know David Chang has kind of talked about this, that it's actually interesting that there's so much technique and then even the quality of the ingredients are so good, but there's only a certain price point that you can put on mm. a dim sum dish that or you know, even yeah. on, on Asian cuisine at times, because people just have this idea that, okay, if I make a homemade, if I make a handmade lobster ravioli, I can charge an exorbitant amount of money because people are used to lobster ravioli and Italian dishes being expensive. But what takes twice as long and as, twice as hard as, you know, a, a suma, you know, or a dumpling or whatever whatever dish you want to call it can never, can never quite reach that price point, you yeah, know. And I, yeah. I don't know where that perception comes in. Now, do I love it and do I benefit from it as a consumer? <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. 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 Uh, but I think it's interesting that so much technique can go behind something, yet the price point can never go above something else. Yeah. Um, at Uchi, on the opposite end of that spectrum, you go to a place where it almost seems like there's no limit to that price point. Like, mm-hmm. That's kind of a silly thing to say about Uchi, but I mean, when we would go in there, it was usually happy hour. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but the price point and the um, customer's perception was I'm willing to pay an exorbitant mm-hmm. amount of money for mm-hmm. a few pieces of fish. Uh-huh. Now, there's a bunch of stuff that back it up. Was there a huge difference in the two kitchens, you know, as far as what kind of the mentality was, what kind of the management style was between your first experience and then now Uchi?
2: Oh, y- yeah, <laughs> a lot. Well, Yoachi was uh, a corporate. They're owned by Hakasan which, I mean, they're globally pretty much. So everything was extremely strict over there. Um, but I think just in general, dim sum is much stricter and disciplined because everything is is the same. Or like you can't really deviate. Like for example, at like nigiri, you can either brush like soy sauce, you can brush the nigiri, you can put whatever toppings on top. Like siu mai is a siu mai, is a shalom right. So I think they're very. And we always have this perception of dim sum too. Like you, you won't like you don't want to get like a siu mai that has I don't know like chicken in it or whatever. Okay, so I feel like. Everyone has this perception of, for example, like mai. So in regards to dim sum, even if you make it high end, it's still very the same. Um, So that was a little different. And and I didn't really know what to expect, too, because Yoacho was my first restaurant job. But when we went to Uchi, it was really different in the way of of work ethic, basically. Um, And I definitely feel at Yoacho, people were more viewing it as a job like not really the culinarily pushed or driven. Well, I mean, which is okay too. It's just just different. Um, But at Uchi, every single person wanted to be better and wanted to push themselves, wanted to learn everything. So that could mean the is like, oh shit, I'm going to fall behind if I don't push myself either. Mm -hmm. So I think definitely like the, and just the environment, not physically, but just like the mental environment You step into because every day i like walk in the doors like oh shit you know this is uchi like this this is not a joke like i had to step my game up or i'm going to fall behind because i represent this company and i had to do well too so it's always like i guess it's more an internal factor that when you step inside be like all right this is different
1: so what made you decide hey i I no longer want to be an employee for someone else i want to be the boss i want to be this is where the buck stops i want to be an owner what what makes you go from that you know, working for someone else to jumping into buying a restaurant,
2: running a restaurant. Yeah, I'm not sure, honestly. Uh, I just <laughs> just tell people well, I'm lazy.
1: I feel la- that way a lot. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I just tell people I'm lazy. That's like the easy way out, <laughs> really. Um, but I think, to be honest, I do enjoy the because at the end of the day, cooking is still like my hobby. So I feel if someone were to ask me what I like to do as a job, I like to say the business side. So I enjoy the business side of things. Yeah. So this is kind of like a perfect thing where. It's, I enjoy the business side of aspect, but you know I still get dabble with food if I really sure. wanted to. That's a fun side. So you got kind of, yeah. kind of
1: a good bag. of And how would you describe the food here at your restaurant? Um, For those who have never been, they've never seen it, never heard of it. What, how would you describe the
2: food? Right. I mean, at the end of the day, we're we're still like a sushi restaurant, so okay. we'll we'll serve, you know, like your basic you know fishes and such, and we'll bring in fish from Toyama Market, Japan, and and everything. But from the kitchen I, I like to say japanese inspired cuisine so i don't really want to limit to just japanese food or even so just some
1: fusion as well
2: yeah i mean i guess fusion is kind. Of, it could have a negative connotation that's why i say inspired really okay um because when i think of fusion i think of you know, like pan express or <laughs> we're not pan express anyways um but it, for example i had a dish um i don't know if connor tried it oh the, the taco verde I think I tried it. I don't remember, but anyways, it's it was a sous vide octopus, octopus yes. grilled with a salsa verde sauce. Yeah. Oh. So. Um, and with the octopus, I sous vide it and sake mirin, so that's the Japanese inspiration. But, you know, obviously, sauce berry is not Japanese. So, so basically, I just like to try to output good food, like yeah. my team and I. So
1: it's fun, it's playful, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's inspired by other cuisines as well. Right,
2: exactly. I definitely don't want to limit myself to, oh, Tobio's just Japanese, or it's just sushi restaurant, really, right. too.
1: But for those who want to come, who are familiar with sushi, they can come and have sushi as well, or so they can yeah. have some
0: other inspired food. Correct.
2: Correct, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: yeah now when you took over this location it was an established restaurant before Mm -hmm. did you have a early on mindset of i'm going to be owner and i'm going to be the head chef or was it i'm going to take this over and go back into that management role um or go into the management role uh instead uh
2: management i mean i'll just be honest with you guys like for me you know i i only really consider myself like a year experience in restaurant industry. So, I mean, right, like you said, I I did progress fast anyways. So there's no way that I was qualified or even mentally ready to to take on the head chef role. Mm -hmm. So, I just wanted to run the business side of things and here and there dabble and output like a dish or two or, or work the line if I really wanted to. So, right. So, in the beginning, my goal was to be more of a management style. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I didn't really want to get bogged down with like a certain position, too. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to work the line too much because I felt like other things would be sacrificed. So, I wanted to step back and, and manage on the upper level if you will which is
0: really different than some of the chefs that we've talked to who open up a place and they want to be in control of that and kind of have someone else take care of the front of the house stuff Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. so it's interesting to have a conversation with someone who came in with the intention Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. i want to do the management side yeah um how did you adjust because i know that taboo you had been written up a little bit before you had purchased it and had kind of built a, a, a little bit of a reputation. For those who don't know, it's in the Cinco Ranch area mm-hmm. in the La Centera uh, Center. Um, and I know that even I want to say maybe Allison Cook or uh, one of the one of the writers. May, I don't think it was Eric Sandler, but maybe Allison Cook had written something about this and and kind of gave it a reputation. Now you take it over. You've got to make adjustments. You've got to put your own spin onto things. How was you know that first day of you know, hey, this is my spot now.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. So w- when I took over last June 2019, we did have a previous chef, and uh, the credit goes to him because the restaurant really did prosper back then because of him. Uh, but he left in I think around August 2019, and that's when I hit full panic mode because like, what am I supposed to do? Like, the restaurant was built around him. Like, what am I supposed to do? Uh, so it was definitely a very stressful time and really difficult time, but. At the end of the day, I, I decided not to hire a head chef because I feel like every single one of my team members here they're very good at what they do they 're very capable um, they know they know their own um, they know standards they know their own standards and what my standards are so I don 't feel like I need to hire a, a title pay them that much more just to enforce the same thing which they already know already sure. so um, I basically had to, and yeah so basically I had to uh, uh, kind of redesign the whole restaurant and the whole mentality because even before when the previous chef was here, I feel like it was running like pretty militant style, like very disciplined, well, I mean, which is a good thing too. Yeah. But being in that position, I, I want to kind of find in between, between super disciplined and a little more relaxed too. People are here, uh, you know, giving their you know, 60 hours, 70 hours if they have to, at least trying to make it a little enjoyable, if you will. Sure. I don't want them to, to to hate this place basically. Yeah, um, yeah so it was, different, it was definitely a challenge to really Redo the environment here, basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like uh, a new coach coming in, and it's it's the difference between a systems coach and a player's coach. Yeah, 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 yeah. Trying to find that balance, and we've you know I struggled with it, and I know other chefs and restaurateurs have struggled with it, trying to find that balance because you do need to keep them happy, but you also, especially with the type of sushi that you serve and the food that you serve. You've got to keep a pretty high standard, you know, because mm-hmm. those plates aren't just coming out delicious; they're coming out beautiful. Yeah, talk about kind of you know empowering your staff a little bit, you know, and and how giving them control and having to kind of go hands off was that, you know, I know that that was kind of the plan, but as they're developing things, how do you encourage them to continue to come up with something?
2: I mean, honestly, it's pretty easy. I mean, because you know, like I said, you know, we have a lot of really good team members here. So, mainly, uh, John, Steve, and and Gio—they're the three main guys that are are behind a lot, like the new dishes. So, and then themselves already have a natural passion to develop dishes and educate themselves by reading books, you know, eating at other restaurants and whatever. So, it's really just as easy to be like, all right, okay, so. Our geo, so he he he's our pastry chef. Um, I told him, you know, for example, like I just want chocolate. So he will come over with a dish, and then I'll I'll be like, okay, I want to change a little bit of this, maybe do this, plating this a little different, and he'll go and rework it and, and that. So I I really believe in like positive reinforcement too, because I feel like creating dishes, like I mean, I'm sure you know both of you know it's it's tough, right? Because it's like art; it's subjective. There's no right or wrong <laughs> yeah. way to do it. So I want to be sure that I'm, I'm I'm positive, and it's and and again, like it's easy because it's not like they're putting out like. Horrible dishes, like the the food that they upload is good, so it kind of makes my job easier.
0: I will say that oh. there is a wrong way to do a dish if it's not my way. So oh, just yeah, sorry. Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I have definitely told people. Do you think um, now that you don't have a head chef mm-hmm. in the kitchen,
1: do you, do you have the same amount of fluidity amongst the team members, or, or are they always trying to be better? so they think they're going to be the leader one day, or is the responsibility spread out? And they're all comfortable with that. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, right, and the latter, the responsibilities are spread out, but okay. I feel like not having a head chef, it, right, like you said, it empowers each and every person because they basically have like equal stake in the restaurant be like it's my responsibility just as much as the next person next to me so i think they're handling it well um to my knowledge really
0: does each of those individuals kind of have a station that they're in charge of so like if we're going to use kind of the french style of, of of a kitchen there's the fish station and he's in charge of ordering the fish for his station there's the meat there's the veg you know there's the stock and they're all in charge of like hey this is what i need they bring it to the head chef or now would be you Mm -hmm. um and say hey you know i need this ordered or do you have someone that kind of takes that responsibility for you?
2: basically yeah and and specificity uh right ordering like they have their own ordering too okay right so for example like steve will do like the uh the orders for our our japanese vendors and then john will order for like fish so it is evenly split basically
0: very cool Uh Mm -hmm. um when you went from Uchi, and then you said, all right, I'm going to you know, buy a restaurant, uh, an existing restaurant. What's going through your head? I mean, because is it, all right, I got to grab that, you know, running a restaurant for dummies book or, or what? Because, I mean, that's, that's a huge leap, especially, like you said, with such a young culinary career. Yeah, You know, you're, you're walking into day one, and it's like, had you seen a PNL? Had you kind of gone through all of that, you know, at previous restaurants, or was that all going to be brand making new day one for you?
2: Pretty much brand new, but I mean, fortunately, with some of my previous experience, I I, I knew what a PNL was. I knew what a balance sheet was, because right. um, I actually back like in 2011, I I had a I don't know if I told you, Connor, but I had a small business okay. selling aftermarket motorcycle parts. So that was kind of my foray into into uh, business, really. Gotcha. Um, but to, uh, to answer your question, really. Um, so I, after Uchi, like I knew my next step was ownership, really, one way or another. So I did have a plan, like I I wanted to start like a fast casual restaurant. Um, but after playing and everything, I had a lot of doubts. Like, man, I don't know if I'm going to do well. I don't know if it's sustainable because I had to calculate how many of, of x amount of items I had to sell to even like break even or to pay my employees and everything. So it didn't really look good, uh, but so I figured this was a good opportunity. Um, and I really liked this restaurant Tobia, when I w- went to eat here. Um, so I think it was a good opportunity for an already established restaurant. So I can just walk in. I mean, it, it, of course it has this, it's, its ups and downs, like, but right. or, so not ups and downs, it has its advantages and disadvantages, right. but walking into an already established restaurant could be easier than starting brand new, because you already have an establishment operation already set up. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my goal.
0: So when you decided you wanted to take over this place, was it for sale?
2: Uh, it was it was okay. it was
0: so then what is what was the biggest learning curve uh for you going from okay i'm an employee to now i'm managing employees mm-hmm. what was that what was that biggest learning curve once you were kind of handed the keys
2: i think just dealing with everyone <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> i mean yeah. right managing people. yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: politics really i think uh, uh, politics um right because you know when you're when you're an employee you're you're kind of like a robot. You you say yes, chef, or, or, or whatever. But you know when when you reach like the upper ranks, and you had to really understand how people work, how people function, how people feel. Right. Um. You know how much to yell at them, how much to not yell at them. So that was kind of a challenge in itself. Sure. Too. And it, it you know it doesn't look good. You know when when a new owner comes into any restaurant, like I, I assume everyone was going to quit anyways. So so that was kind of so a you're challenge. Preparing
1: for a labor issue.
2: Yeah prepare and not prepare yeah which is kind of foolish because but I, i'm fortunate you know a majority of, of you know the people stayed yeah so
1: good yeah the key players at least right right and definitely yeah know the routine yeah get it done yeah yeah good
0: when you're trying to have a customer base um and retain that customer base being a new owner are you making adjustments to the menu? Or are you just kind of like, hey, let's just keep the cog rolling because it's working? Or what are you trying to do in that first three-month time, time frame?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, I had to change up the menu quite a bit. Um, basically, to summarize, I feel like the old menu was the low end was too low and the high end was too high and I might have explained it a little bit but so basically I want to raise the lower end and and bring down the high end because right. I feel like you're, you're you're trying to market to two separate crowds and, and it's hard because you don't, I mean you don't really want to take like a nice day to your restaurant and next to you have like a, a two babies like screaming. So basically I wanted to bridge the gap a little bit yeah. and, and do that.
0: Yeah, because for those who don't know kind of the sinker Ranch area, in this area there is a Perry Steakhouse, mm-hmm. you know, but then you have a high school literally right across the yeah, street. Yeah, so yeah. you've kind of got to balance the guys who are coming out and you know the PPA is going to be maybe mm-hmm. eighty bucks a person, mm-hmm. and you're going to have that high school kid who wants to come in for a California roll and oh, yeah. iced tea. You know, yeah. so. well, that's, you know, so in this
1: direct area, right? There's mm-hmm. a Torchy's Taco, right? Other end of the spectrum, right. there's a Grimaldi's, which is high end, high, high end prices of pizza. Sure, you got Pele Pele, right, <laughs> yeah. which is a great restaurant yep. down there as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got everything under the sun out here yeah. uh, to cater to. So it's a great area to attract people, but then you might have people from trying to come in and have. You know, yeah, low-end oh, sushi rolls. And you barely
2: had it. It, it. was a culture shock for sure. I mean, because e- e- even like for example, I, a few months ago, I remember like eight middle schoolers came in and ordered sushi. I was like, man, I ate like McDonald's kids meals till I was like eighteen, you know? So like, I don't know what California roll is. So that that was, that was a huge culture shock for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, very cool. Well, we're gonna uh, take a quick pause. We're gonna uh, get a word from our sponsor, uh, Bernie Brand Hot Sauce. I'm gonna grab a cup of coffee or something, man, to wake up because. My head is just not functioning quite right, so. But uh, we'll be right back with part two of the Cost of Goods Told podcast. The Cost of Goods Told podcast is made possible by the following sponsors. Chriswell Culinary aims to create a new standard of unique, affordable hot sauces that satisfies the more developed cravings of today. Bernie Brand Texas-style hot sauce is a boldly layered sauce with density and personality to proudly represent Texas. Go to berniebrand.com to find a retailer near you. That's Bernie. B-O-E-R-N-E brand.com Zero Point Organics grows and supplies microgreens for over 30 major restaurants in the Houston area. Consistently perfect quality and flavor and appearance, their microgreens will be the best you or your customers have ever had every single time. Go to zero Z-E-R-O pointorganics.com Welcome back to the Cost of Goods Told podcast. Uh, We Sherman, we talked a lot about, you know, kind of opening in the first couple months and things like that. Do you mind kind of walking us through what your day-to-day kind of looks like as a restaurateur? And I'm not... I'm going to preface it before I say this next part. It doesn't seem like you're as stressed as I would have expected. Uh-huh. Um, talking to you and seeing, you know, what you're doing and things like that. Now, that's not a negative thing to say whatsoever. I just... It, I assumed and wrongfully assumed that being a restaurant owner would equal not being able to do a damn other thing. Mm-hmm. So do you mind walking us through kind of like what your day-to-day is and how you're able to kind of keep that balance?
2: Yeah, well the secret is not knowing anything I'm doing.
0: <laughs> but
1: <laughs> honestly We will leave that in.
2: <laughs> I mean honestly the the first I mean even still to this day a, a lot of what I've been doing was catching up like learning Right? E- even if, if I ran like a small business before, like it's it's nothing of like this scale or it's not even in this industry. So I have to learn everything in and out. So, I mean, that I, that's pretty much it really. But fortunately, I have a really good team, even front of the house and back of the house, where I don't have to be really nitpicky with every single thing. Mm-hmm. So I mainly leave all the smaller operations to them. But yeah. for me, I like to step away and try to monitor everything by you know, like looking at invoices or, or, or trying to plan my next step for the business and, and whatnot, like marketing and such. So you're
1: not micro Managing the day-to-day activities, but you're looking at the big picture. Correct, and your your fingers are all involved in the big picture.
2: Yeah, here and there. I mean, I don't micromanage every day, but I'll nitpick on like you know, like uniforms or like you know, presentation on a dish. Sure, but I try not to do that too much because it one it'll bog me down, and two it just doesn't look good. I guess. Sure. Well, because
0: you've got not only do you have an incredible sushi program but you also have a pretty cool bar program i know that Mm -hmm. i have definitely enjoyed the uh japanese old fashioned from here yeah that sounds good oh man yeah yeah. (laughs) it is really good um you said that you were allergic to alcohol Mm -hmm. so then you kind of have to entrust that bar program to somebody who who are you kind of leaning on for that
2: yeah uh, so my general manager lee chow he's um, yeah, he's been really good to the restaurant, and he's had a lot of bar experience, so um, he's in charge of like the whole menu and everything, for the bar at least.
0: And was he here prior <laughs> to you taking over? Yeah. So here. has that been something that you, or has he been somebody that you can lean on? To kind of give you a little bit of guidance, especially in those early months, like, hey, this person's really good at this, or this person's really good at that. Yeah.
2: I mean, I don't really want to stroke his ego, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Actually, so I wanted to touch up on the question you asked earlier about sure. stress man- stress management. Um, in the beginning, I, I really got overwhelmed and burnt out a lot. Right. But one thing I really learned to teach myself is is, is right, is stress management. So I basically I just look at it as like you know having a little mental door in my head. And, and every day you try to let in as X amount of like stress and you close it and leave it on for like the next day. I'm not saying uh, that to be like ignorant or just like, you know, ignorance is bliss or whatever, but it's just the way I deal with stress. It's like, all right, you know, like, it's a good mental check for me to not be overwhelmed, basically, or not to get burnt out.
1: Yeah. So and that's
2: something I learned really well. Yeah, and you well. mentioned
1: earlier too, um, you know, in the first session is that, uh, you know, everyone, you've empowered your people, right? You've let them take responsibility for their own, and i think some of that along with delegation allows you to manage that stress level as well would that be accurate
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah right it, it, when you're asking about micromanagement if i were to micromanage i'd probably be a lot more stressed honestly yeah. but for me to be able like i'm glad where we are now because i really trust my team and what they do sure. so i only really had to manage i mean right that's structural anyways so i only really had to manage you know a few people minus every single person in the restaurant i
1: would say that's very smart because you know we we've talked to Dozens and dozens of restaurant owners mm-hmm. and those that try to have their hands in everything typically don't get much sleep, age very quickly, <laughs> uh, and have the level of stress. It's probably not you know, good for them long term. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. good, I think, that you figured out early on mm-hmm. uh, and even through your quick ranks since 2016 of how to delegate and let others do what they do best, mm-hmm. while you still are overseeing the process. I don't know
2: if that's smart or lazy, though. I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> well, you're working smarter and
1: not harder. So you, <laughs> you can take it as a compliment. Uh, I don't do
2: one. both either. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it's not alcohol,
0: so you must be doing something right. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So, <laughs> um, so you've, you've taken over the restaurant. And how long did you have it before all this kind of COVID stuff happened?
2: So I took over June 2019. So, right. It's actually this Friday is my one year anniversary here. Oh, holy cow! Yeah, so that means roughly eight or nine months before COVID hit. Yeah, you've
0: got nine months under your belt. You've probably got a little bit of steam going for you. You know, now that, like you said, you've kind of gotten a rhythm and everything. COVID nineteen comes around. What's going through your head? What you know? What's your first reaction to it?
2: shit (laughs) i mean who's prepared anyways really i mean i i think i i because i've learned to really i guess stress management is i tried not to panic because right if you panic then everyone's gonna see you panic and then they're gonna panic and the whole right so my, my best is to one keep a stern face and um just get shit done really. So like what I need to do this, or you know, what I need to do today, what I need to do tomorrow, what I need to do next week, etc. Okay. So it's basically just sitting down and just analyzing the situation. Alright, this is happening, it's not gonna go away for a while, so what can I do right, right now and prepare for it? Is basically what I can say.
0: And what was kind of the reaction to the neighborhood or like around Houston and so forth to, to what you were offering, you know, because you, you couldn't open up your dining room, so you went straight to to-go, which Correct, yeah. I've seen sushi to-go, uh, I've seen, you know, rolls and, you know, maki and so forth to-go. It's not always best to-go. How did you adjust your menu? How did you adjust, you know, what you were offering so that it would match what kind of the new norm was, you know, as far as how customers were actually getting your food?
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't have a choice, really. I mean, so I mean, you have to adapt at that point. And, and, and that's the thing, really, because, you know, before COVID, you know, I, I really emphasized and introduced to this restaurant um, hospitality. I really want to, like, take care of people and people come in for an experience, not just to come in, order one thing, and get out. Like, I really wanted to explain everything for them to really enjoy themselves, et cetera. So right, naturally, when we switch to go, you can't offer hospitality. I mean, other than just like writing thank you on the back, you, you can't really. Um, so the one thing I have learned from COVID is to adapt right? adaptability, and that's something I learned from you know Alex from Fat Eater. He always says you really have to adapt to you know situation. So yeah, so naturally, I've. I've I've come up with like a, a few. I'd call them like family packs, where they're basically you know a meal to feed you know like three or four people. Another option to feed like five or six people at a really aggressive price point. Because I know it's not just restaurants that are suffering; it's just everyone's suffering, really. Um, so that's really what I've been doing, or what I have done, really.
0: So I think you said it was this Friday that it was twelfth. I believe on the twelfth, it. it's jumping to seventy-five yeah. percent capacity. Mm-hmm. When we are closer to like a more norm type of thing, do you think that these family packs or you know, the, these other items are going to be here to stay as, as to-go items, or I, I remember one time you literally drove out and, and did a delivery, not just to me, but to a, a couple other uh, orders in the area um yeah. is that something that you're going to continue doing moving forward
2: yeah that was pretty fun i remember i was demoted to delivery driver during covid <laughs> i would i mean i mean a lot of my friends wanted to support me so whoever wanted to order and all my friends are in the loop so whoever wanted to support me they will order and i'll just personally drive so i've driven to like Edo, driven all the way down to like pasadena just to deliver yeah. um but um for the family packs i will not do it because i mainly do i mainly press it that aggressively just to to help out and everything okay. um, but at the end of the day I had to survive as a business too and it just wasn't it didn't make fiscal sense to keep doing that but we're still pushing delivery we're still pushing um, like recently I introduced like a buy one get one on, on online delivery um, so people can do that as well too
0: And are you self delivering or are you utilizing third, party. third parties we're using
2: third party um, okay. so we deliver up to 7 miles um, and if you order over $40 you get free delivery
0: how is that relationship with that third party you know, delivery service? Is it working for you? Is it you know, kind of a catch-22 you know, type of thing?
2: It's not bad. I mean, of course, we, we prefer pickup because it's, it's easier and we get to see the customer face-to-face. But you know, I understand a lot of people don't want to get out of their house, like me included. So I mean, delivery is fine. It, it works out perfectly.
1: So another question. Mm-hmm. So with your marketing background, from UH, mm-hmm. you find that to be beneficial in this business. Is that helping you social media wise? Is it helping you reach out to customers? Is it helping you break through the demographics in this area to support your business?
2: I mean, I'll be honest. I was I was a horrible yeah. student. I, I didn't pay attention. <laughs> I didn't pay attention. I I, I remember at, at UH, I was I always. If y'all ever been to UH, you know, like parking is horrible. Yeah. So I would give myself like seven minutes to find parking. If I couldn't find parking, I'm going home. <laughs> I was a bad student, <laughs> don't learn from me.
1: Um, actually, no, do learn from you, right? Do the opposite.
2: Actually, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, attend school, please. But anyways, uh, no, so I, I wouldn't say it really helped me, but um, I don't know. I guess uh, I, I guess like marketing just kind of came in organically. Okay. So I feel like we should do this. I feel like we should do that. And so far, it's worked. I mean, I guess, like, just likewise with COVID, like, it really is about adaptability. So you pretty much cast, like, five nets, see what works, and then go from there. Sure.
0: Yeah. Beyond the restaurant struggles, what else has kind of come out of COVID that has affected either you or your business? Has there been tensions, uh, uh, you know, within the company, with, with, with the staff? Has there been tensions... At home, I, you know, uh, I'll, I'll say my wife is Chinese by blood, American born, or whatnot, and um, certain comments and certain things have kind of come out of COVID. Maybe not so much to what I see, but you know, from what we've experienced through friends and, and, and from what they have, has that happened? at all here, or has that happened to you? Yeah, I
2: mean, well, fortunately, internally, everyone's been super understanding, you know, and that's why I like to try to connect with everyone here. So they understand that, you know, it's not just I'm suffering, but I'm suffering too. So they've all been super understanding and everything. But I mean, yeah, naturally, since, uh, since I'm Chinese, you know, of course, people are still gonna call it like the Chinese virus. So yeah, of course, I definitely felt like racism here and there, but you know, what can you do really?
0: So. Oh, I, I I think it's a it's a conversation that needs to be had. We just had you know Michelle on, and we were talking about being you know Michelle from uh, Gatlin's from Michelle Gatlin. Wallace from Gatlin's. Thank you, um, who's African American woman, you know, and we were talking about you know there's not that many in in barbecue, you know, yeah, let alone yeah, yeah, yeah. not that many in a chef position that are highlighted and 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 featured like crazy, you know, and so. We, we had some on camera conversations and we had some off camera conversations uh-huh. that, you know, just kinda needed to be had, you know, and I think everybody kinda needs to needs to do that. I always said that if you're gonna be racist or something like that, you cannot enjoy that uh, culture's cuisine. So you know it's I mean, yeah, I mean or to the me marriage. Or the <laughs> Yeah, I
2: mean to me like I don't I don't feel how like being I don't feel being anti racist is controversial at all. So I don't really see why there's like two sides of the argument really. Right so
0: so through all of this and and almost being able to take not being able to but being forced to take a break from operations are you looking to the future for something are you you know what's the next steps for sherman what's the next steps for this restaurant
2: uh i'm not sure honestly i guess we have to see what happens out, out of covid but i mean a lot of you know customers and even a lot of my workers they all you know they all want to move to the loop where it's like a whole different challenge and they feel like we could we would do a lot better so i mean i guess that would be the ideal goal but i definitely want to do more uh, you know i have other ideas other than just sushi mm-hmm. so you know maybe open another restaurant or definitely expand this i don't know if i would open up like a second topio mm-hmm. um maybe different concepts i don't know i mean it's i basically just take it one step at a time first
1: so you said we'll see what happens after covid mm-hmm. you said is that this restaurant survive
2: oh yeah and this restaurant would be okay yeah Good. we'll survive Good. yeah we'll survive for sure we have a lot of people that support us come out and really love our food love our people so that's definitely helped us get through
1: excellent yeah well it's a great area i mean the suburbs you're know, very family friendly but mm-hmm. I mean, you'll see a mix especially out in this area the demographics are a mixed bag right mm-hmm. of races and ethnicities and so you're in a great spot right, mm-hmm. to continue to grow that's for
0: sure
2: yeah definitely yeah, definitely
0: how does the menu now Reflect that, you know. I mean, you've you've been able to put your touches on it and mm-hmm. everything. And it's kind of like what you were talking about was kind of closing that gap. What mm-hmm. are what are kind of the key indicators that if someone walked in, hey, this is this is you know, if you if you really want to try and experience something like, what are some of those menu dishes that are there? And like, hey, if you just want to come in and try us for the first time and not break not necessarily break the bank, but like, mm-hmm. you know, come in and, and and dine pretty casually, what are those kind of menu dishes? Because your fish and chips is. Out. Oh so, yeah, <laughs> yeah this is really like, good. Adding items to, to what I
1: want to eat before I leave. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. no,
2: I uh, fish and chips is one of my one of my dishes I'm proud of because I grew up eating like Long John Silver's, and
1: I think we all <laughs> did. Do. Do right I now. don't know yeah. if
2: I'd go back to Long John Silver's right now, but so this is basically like a Japanese inspired Long John Silver's where it's just tempura cod and Japanese fish and chips, or Japanese tartar sauce with yucca chips. Um, but to answer your question, I uh, at the end of the day, you know, I think what we do best is sushi. Um, So any of our nigiri, because each nigiri piece is dressed with uh, what I like to call yakumi, which is condiments in Japanese. Um, So we'll dress it with our nigiri or soy sauce and put our own little condiment on it. So it really personalizes each fish and really makes it distinctive between every other sushi restaurant. Um, Another thing we like to talk about is cold tastings. Mm -hmm. So I like to call it sashimi pairings, if you will. Okay. Uh, like our sake chichiron is our salmon with uh, golden kiwis, and the chichiron part is like the um, salmon skin part. Yeah. So again, with like this uh, sashimi pairings, I like to call it flavor pairings, but also emphasize the presentation part as well too. That
0: sounds fun. Yeah. Very cool. If people want information on what's kind of going on, how they can support, or what menus you know, you're offering, the different... Um, the different options as far as pickup, delivery, and so forth. What's the best way for them to get that information? Uh,
2: for yeah, for um, pickup, delivery, our website tobiosushi.bar.com. T O B I U O. I don't know if that's I'm necessary. Glad you,
1: I'm glad you spelled it. Yeah, <laughs> 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 um,
2: yeah but, uh, you know. but we're on social media, Tobio Sushi Bar, on Instagram and Facebook, so people can find us there as well. Perfect.
0: Yeah. Very good. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you taking so much time to to talk with us and, and and walk us through not just restaurant stuff but things outside the restaurant. Does anybody want to give a shout out oh, to I'm anybody sorry. you yeah. want to thank, thank
1: for for helping you along the way, for helping your business be successful? I mean, you've spoken highly of your team members. Right? Yeah. So we know you, we know you think highly of them. Anybody else you want to give a shout out to, or a thank you, or a hello, or a what's up?
2: Uh, obligatory wife mention. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: uh, she, she always supports me. Um, e- even through my whole culinary career, She's she's been a huge trooper. Um, I'm sure y- y'all understand, working long yeah, hours and stuff, it's not easy. So she's definitely been supportive of me, been my emotional crutch, if you will. Um, second person uh, is, is Dory Fung. So she's, she's been really good to me in the restaurant industry. So she's actually helped me get a job at like Yawacha and even like Uchi. Mm-hmm. And she always keeps me in mind for like pop-ups and everything. So she's been really good to me.
0: Now, I know before all this, you were um, starting to introduce some Maki classes. Is that mm-hmm. something that you're thinking about bringing back? Like once, yeah. you know, once things are once we kind of settle into this new norm or is that like kind of off the plate for restaurants now? Uh,
2: no, I mean, it was, it was definitely fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so basically I just teach people how to roll, you know, very simple, roll makis um, or, or makis. Uh, so I definitely want to bring it back, but I have to see how receptive people are to being enclosed. Because before I, I did like a 10 people limit. Um, so maybe I'll start off with doing like a little smaller or whatnot. Uh, but, I mean, the feedback from everyone right now is people are coming out to eat. yeah. So, I mean, so that means people do want to start coming out and try mm-hmm. to live, like, a normal life again. Yeah.
0: Now, those uh, maki kits, how did those go over? Because it seemed like a lot of people, at least on social media, were having a lot of fun. So, kind of explain what that, that was, because that was make your own maki at home? Yeah, right? yeah, basically, <laughs> um,
2: you know, everyone wants to be a maki warrior at home. So, basically, we sell the little kits, we'll include, like, a maki sauce, uh sushi rice, and pretty much uh ingredients to to make uh, like two to three rolls at home by yourself so i mean in lieu of our market class that's why we introduced it really
0: those are really cool especially when people are looking for at home (laughs) activities that don't involve any streaming services or you know (laughs) any video games or whatnot yeah well sherman we really appreciate you taking so much time to talk uh with us yeah Um, thank you so much this is such a really cool place i hope people come out and and support like um you know your your journey is an interesting one for sure yeah thank you know you. and i no, that's for sure. It's for sure yeah yeah thing. that's yeah. a perfect way to put it yeah and, and very young too yeah. you because know, like you said friday is one year as a as a restaurant tour yeah. you know yeah. um so we look forward to seeing what's in the future we look forward to uh this covet stuff being 100 over with mm-hmm. or how right. we're gonna adjust to this new norm so that uh, people can patronize, you know, this this place. Mm-hmm. Patronize? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. Again, <laughs> don't patronize it. But patronize it. Right patronize it. Right? <laughs> <that>. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you once again. Yeah, really I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thank you so much. So awesome too. To meet you. Yeah. Likewise. To all of our listeners, uh, like and subscribe. Five stars. Five stars. We're up.